Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Thank You, Come Again. Today, I am joined by a man who has been dropping some fire content in my LinkedIn feed for quite some time. It's Alex McEachern, Director of Marketing over at Repeat and the host of the Shelf Life Podcast. Alex, how are you, man? I am doing fantastic. Excited to be here. Stoked to have you here and really excited to dive into a topic that I would love to just debate with you and kind of figure out a little bit more. And is that that's around, can we actually automate customer retention? You pitched me this incredibly thought-provoking idea uh, the other day around automating reordering, automating retention. And it's literally, I think, the dream of like every direct-to-consumer brand who sells anything replenishable. Um, Shopify came out you know, last year with this big retention theme, and it's pretty much been plastered, I think, in every single content piece from SaaS companies, the big focus of brands, agencies, the whole like. But I think for a lot of folks, it's becoming really overwhelming when literally everything is somehow needing to be tied to retention, which begs the larger question, I think, of where do you start? What can you actually deploy that moves the needle? And what the heck is retention anyway for direct-to-consumer e-commerce? And I think the easiest thing that's been communicated is to start you know, with the post-purchase communication path. But a lot of brands, it's really campaign-based you know, focused. It's Typically, hey, like we dropped a new product or hey, okay, it's a new holiday, new event, you know, just something to keep top of mind almost. And it sort of feels like now we're in this state where we're throwing a bunch of rocks at windows and, and hoping that someone eventually opens up that window and starts a conversation or, you know, makes a point of conversion. But it can go south really quickly if you just focus on campaign-based retention. Obviously, customer can unsubscribe and that's the end of the relationship in a lot of ways. And I think there's a better way. And that's what we're going to be diving into today around automated retention. Um, but first, really, can you just unpack for me a little bit kind of like your thoughts around kind of the state of customer retention right now and, and sort of like where we're at in, in this sort of kind of crazy kind of landscape of, of customer retention? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in, in what you said there. And I think the the biggest thing to start with is like, what is retention? Like you said, Shopify is preaching retention right now. Like repeat, obviously we're preaching retention. You're kind of getting it from every angle. And I'd say like people have been talking about it for like the last five years. And I th say like every year over the last five years, it gets like a little bit more aggressive. Like, hey, you should be thinking about this. You should be thinking about this. And then like, I'm not going to go into like all the details of it, but obviously like iOS 14.5. And now all of a sudden retention is like way more prevalent than it was before because acquisition is more expensive, harder, direct to consumers facing some pretty insane headwinds right now with those acquisition problems. We've got shipping logistics problems. We've got inflation. We've got raw material problems. So like costs are going up across the board. Your CAC's going up. What do you do? We've been getting more efficient on the acquisition side for so long that like, what can you really eke out on that side anymore? Like maybe you can get 15% better. Maybe you can get 50% better. But why people are starting to focus on the retention side is like, I don't know how much more I can eke out of that side of the equation. So let's flip on to the customer retention side, existing customers, and see what we can do there. Yeah, and I think that that's a, it's a great point. You know, I feel like the juice has been squeezed in a lot of ways in the acquisition front. And now it's just, you know, going back to where can we get more out of the retention? Where can we, you know, ask more? I think retention teams are feeling really, really stretched in right now too. And, you know, it's talking to even... Um, one of my good friends is an email marketer right now. And to see expectation right now, I think is just that, you know, like channels like email and, and SMS and, you know, the like really are um, being asked to do so much. And, you know, I think it's a perfect segue into kind of like talking about now really automating a lot of these things. And some of the, you know, those channels fall, you know, on the automation front. 
And I think, you know, when we think about like the alternative to campaign based retention, obviously, you know, you have to invest in automation. Uh, can you just unpack for me a little bit around like how do we actually automate retention? I know this is something that repeat is really trying to solve for and would love to understand kind of like some of your thoughts around that. Yeah, so I'll be clear, like you can't automate everything about retention, but like you said, retention marketers, email marketers, SMS marketers, just like anyone on the growth or D2C side of the equation right now is being asked to do a lot because of those headwinds. So like what is the limiting factor on a lot of this? It's not that people, it's not that retention marketers like don't know what to do. It's that there isn't enough time with a single person or a small team to actually execute on all the retention things that they could possibly be doing. So a lot of times it ends up being like, okay, let me do what we've always been doing. So like campaign based retention is very similar to campaign based acquisition, right? Like it's not that big of a stretch or like a step to move over into that world. So you see a lot of people do that. Now things you can't automate, obviously like brand product content, actually AI might be solving automating content at some point for us. We might all be out of a job on the marketing <laughs> front at some point, but um, there are things that you can start to automate, right? A lot, like one of the lowest hanging fruit in retention is post-purchase communication. Someone has made that first purchase. Now, what are you saying to them? And that's where retention automation can really come in. Being able to say, Hey, I know that you bought this 25 days ago. This is the right time to reach out and offer you something. We can start to automate those. The problem to date has been that automating that usually comes at the cost of personalization. And if it doesn't come at the cost of personalization, you end up building some branching logic tree inside of Clavio or PostScript or ever, wherever you want to build this. It becomes a mess. It ends up looking right. like the wires tangled behind my TV stand. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. It's such a mess. It's working. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> That's the scary thing. I, um, you know, I remember, so I came up as an email marketer and I remember being in Clavio, building out these reorder flows for, you know, different brands that I was working with. And like, it spanned beyond the screen. I had to zoom out, you know, I'm figuring out, I've got all of these different things going on. I don't even know if that works. You know, honestly, I'm making guesses if it's going to work. I'm hoping, you know, but it, just the, the amount of setup time that it takes to build something like that. And there's really not a point of true, you know, sort of you can you can do your best to figure out, you know, repurchase frequency when folks seem to be reordering in these things. But it's felt sort of like a guessing game almost for for uh, us as, as a as a, you know, a retention team is like we're hoping that this is the time when folks really want to reorder, but we're not really quite sure if that's the right time. And so what I wanted to kind of unpack with you a little bit is like, I think a lot of folks are trying to find the right time to reach out to a customer to get them to, you know, come back and buy again. And I know that this can vary significantly depending on how much the product is used, um, you know, how maybe they even kind of like if they get the product on time, you know, if shipping was on time and all these different things that can factor into that, too. So. Um, how do you kind of think about that at repeat and really solving for that kind of reaching out at the right time like is, is there i know there's not a hard and fast rule but i think there's some principles that could be unpacked there there definitely are and like you were saying hey the the branching logics ex expanding off the page hey i'm kind of guessing on a lot of these things if you think about like why those like branching logic chains get so crazy it's because we're trying to get the right product like basically it's when what where that makes those chains so complicated when do i want to trigger this what do I want to offer and where do I want to send them? 
And if you think like personalizing this, those three things get complicated, right? Because like the when is going to vary by product. The what is going to be based on what they bought in the past. And the where is, hey, sending someone back, like if you want them to shop for multiple things, do you send them back to the catalog page? Do you send them to the homepage? That creates a little bit of like of a murky customer journey. So let's start with when in the when, what, where piece, because okay. that's what you asked. There are some principles here and like obviously it's going to vary. The absolute best thing you can do here is like dig into your data and look at what your reorder intervals are per product. So hey, if you've got six SKUs in your catalog, let's take a look at what the reorder interval is like sliced per product so that inside of those automations and flows, I can send an email reminder at the exact right moment. Hey, Blake's running low on X product. I'm gonna reach out at the right time for that product. That also is complicated. One, it assumes that you have all that data and you have a tool to go look at it. Two, it assumes that you have the time to go do that. But three, it also becomes dated pretty quickly. What your reorder sure. interval was two months ago might not be what it is today. Now, obviously you can use a tool like Repeat to help you find those reorder intervals and we can actually automate it so you don't need to build a time delay into every single one of these flows. We can do that for you. But there are some things you can do to make this a little simpler. Instead of look like timing it somehow is better than just guessing, right? So like, hey, how can we make an educated guess or look at something that's easier than breaking this down per product? So like one step past or one step before reorder interval per product would just be reorder interval for the store. Just mm. look at everything, find the average across your entire product catalog and just build a single flow that's going to trigger based on that store level reorder interval. At least you're timing this slightly better than just kind of like licking your finger and sticking it to the wind, right? The other way you can go about doing this, which like I don't recommend, but is better than just like following best practices, like, oh, these should go out 30 days later, is just try to take a look at your product offering and say, how long do I believe this will last? Hey, there are 50 dime-sized amounts of goop in a tube here. Okay, I'm going to say this is 50 days from now. I would expect this to run out. Now, obviously, consumption varies by person, varies by product, but that's like the way you can get into doing this without a ton of work. And it's better sure. than just, oh, it's 30 days, 60 days, whatever. That's a really great way to think about that. I, I, I know, you know, that definitely gets you closer to the actual kind of like, you know, having some logic kind of in there of how you can reach out the right time. I know that it's not going to be the one size fits all approach, but definitely a lot better than just following best practice on a, you know, Clavio template that says, Hey, 30 days later, just go ahead and reach out. Like you have to really kind of take it a little bit deeper. And I know a lot of folks are already thinking about this. This isn't like a you know novel idea or anything here, but um, a great example, I think, even of that, too, was so I just got back from a trip to the UK. And before I left, I purchased some Huron and I, I didn't actually start to use that product until I got back. So, you know, that's like a 14 day lag right there. I haven't even used the product, haven't even opened the box. And so I'm thinking about that, too, is like a lot of the time that you sort of get you know, like into this kind of granular thing, there are so many little things that could happen of a customer, you know, maybe they don't use the product right away, or maybe um, post purchase, you're not educating them on how to use the product. So they maybe don't use enough of it, they use too much of it. Um, a lot of these little activation things can really actually sort of like, get in the way of actually, you know, the right time to reorder can really vary, I think, for, for a lot of merchants, uh, sorry, for a lot of customers. Um, and I, I even think I was 
talking to an email marketer uh, friend the other day and he was mentioning to me he he works with this uh company that sells basically like hydration uh so like kind of like tablets and what they found was that customers just literally weren't usually drinking enough water and that was like fundamentally one of the problems that they had was that they customers weren't understanding how much to drink how much to use and so they had to take it a step back and actually go to their post-purchase flow and start to think about how can they educate better like they're using like the order tracking page to start to kind of place that there some of those post-purchase emails of like setting up behaviors um so i think that really kind of gets at sort of like that first piece of just like getting them a little bit more embedded in how to use the product how to think about when to reorder all those different things there too, for sure. Yeah, I think like it really, on the post-purchase side of things, I think you got three base flows that like everyone should be looking at. That is your replen- your replenishment flow, which we were just mm-hmm. talking about, your right. education flow, which you were just talking about there. Um, there's a fanta- there's a, a men's hair care pr- line called Bloomon. I encourage everyone to just go like buy something from them and look at what they send you from an email perspective because it's exactly that, like, educational entertaining it's not about like hey just use the product it's here's hairstyles that you might like here's hair care tips like here's how that like it's just seamlessly integrating the product and like additional product discovery into those emails that doesn't feel like they're trying to upsell me or cross sell me anything it's just like they're being super helpful with all this content and the products just like seamlessly integrated into that and then i think the third one's just like the transactional piece of this right like hey orders on its way order shipped like everything to let me know like hey i made this purchase d2c is unique in the sense that like the high of making the purchase and actually receiving the product there's a lag and like yeah. for something like a hydration tablet or like let's say um like supplements like i'm going or protein powder i'm going to the gym i buy it i'm on a high i have to wait i get the protein powder and now i need to use the protein powder for 60 days before i see results that's mm-hmm. a lot of time to just Huge say amount of time. hey figure like figure it out like these three lines of post purchase communication will help bridge that gap from an original purchase to i'm actually seeing value from what i bought and like especially for cpg and replenishables very rarely is the value I'm getting like when it first shows up at my door, unless it's like fizz in a can. <laughs> totally. And I think that that's, that's an important thing to, to, to kind of like, I think bring into the whole post-purchase sort of process is like, you've made that sale. Great. They're on this high. How are you going to keep that high going and really set a really a great expectation around how to, how to actually like get the most out of this purchase, alleviate buyer's remorse, but then also like as they're using the product, making sure that like you know they're having a great experience through that and i think a lot of the way you ensure they have a great experience is that they just kind of know what they're getting themselves into like um you know there's so many little things i think that um the the the, the old model of d2c commerce i feel like was just sales at all costs and at content you know didn't really matter as much and i think now we're seeing content even even more um, is even more important now just because of you know we need to be focused on making sure customers have that great experience and that like, and I think that falls a lot logically into making them, you know, feel like th- when they reorder about they're confident in that purchase is that they had that great, great first experience um, and that you took all those steps along the way, giving them that, that education, use cases, different things that they can kind of like use of the product, all these different things sort of um, have a cascading sort of effect, I think, on just getting to that second purchase. Um, so there's just a lot, I think, that you mentioned that that really hits home on a lot of that great great kind of like framework, I think. 
Yeah, and like we talked a bit at the beginning about these D2C headwinds, right? Like, so before joining Repeat, I worked at Smile and I worked at Loop. And a lot of the brands I ended up talking to on a regular basis at Smile and Loop were in the apparel space. And Repeat was kind of my first um, jump into the CPG space, like D2C CPG. And an apparel brand can like kind of afford to be a D2C purist is like, oh, I don't want to go into retail. I don't need omni-channel. Like, I'm just going to live the direct-to-consumer route. When you're like shipping cases of water across the country, like that's an expensive undertaking. It is a lot better to ship a like full truckload to a grocery store than direct to the consumer. So like a lot of CPG brands, like if you're checking kind of the chatter on Twitter, LinkedIn, what right now is like a lot of them are saying, hey, D2C is actually my loyalty channel. Like, sure. so when we're talking retention, like, hey, it is, the pendulum has really swung from, hey, this is like my growth channel, my cheap acquisition and growth channel to, hey, this is the channel where I own the experience and like I can move people here when they're becoming a loyal customer, when they are coming back to buy from me again and again. Discovery can happen in these other channels, but like D2C, especially in CPG, is more or less becoming a loyalty channel. That's a really great call out. I think about a great example of that is um, I discovered Ourobora at a local farmer's market that I that I shop at, um, you know, ended up making the purchase and then loved the product so much that I started to get a little bit more interested. This is before I even was, a, uh, you know, working here at Wonderment um, and started to actually, you know, then again, get on the D2C channel, started to kind of engage with them, made a couple purchases and started to feel like, like you said, it's, it's that loyalty channel. I know that for a lot of cpg like uh, companies this is you know typically not going to be a super high margin you know endeavor for them but it's also that opportunity to really build loyal customers and extend that lifetime value significantly um and i think it makes a lot of sense to to really think about it it's not just retention it's it's the loyalty aspect of a channel as well um i'd love to kind of understand to you know kind of pull it back a little bit um you mentioned a few great brand examples, but are there any other cool examples from brands that are, you know, repeat customers or not that have really nailed, I think, sort of getting that reordering process down? Yeah, um, I actually just wrote a blog post about this. So when we're talking about those like post-purchase flows, like obviously reordering, you need to make the ask to come do it. So like, I, I, I'm going to answer your question, I promise. I'm just going to go in a little <laughs> bit of a roundabout way to get there. So when we have like that transactional, <clears throat> excuse me, the educational and like the replan. So a lot of brands like build these amazing, like beautiful, well thought out education flows, but they never actually make the ask to have someone come back and buy again. And I feel like talking to a lot of retention marketers, it's like, oh, I don't want to annoy them by, mm -hmm. I don't want to annoy the customer by like making that ask. But if you think about it, like we're motivated when we're told to take action. Now, I am not suggesting that you go and send, hey, do you want to buy again every two days just to make sure like you're getting in front of someone? Like that's not the way to approach this. But the way to approach this is also not during that 60 day window to just educate and never give a reason to come back and buy from that brand. Sure. So on the educational side, I gave that blue man example is a fantastic one of this. Clearly I'm into men's like hairstyling products. Cause another great one to check out is Hans DeFuco, which is also men's hairstyling products. Uh, on the transactional side, I love what Ouroboros is doing. You already mentioned them. And on the replan side, uh, a couple brands to check out Strix, uh, Kapari, Olipop. They are all really nailing the blend of educational post-purchase flows with those replenishment flows that are actually encouraging and asking the customer to come back and buy. 
great call outs right there. I'll definitely link out to all of those in the show notes so you can, folks can take advantage of kind of seeing those brands in the, in, the, in the wild. But I think also like what you said is really important. I just want to zoom in on that a little bit. Like you sometimes have to just get out of that mindset of I know we seem to be in sort of like this. It definitely is a balancing act, but being too nice as a brand and not really asking for that sale. It's not like you're not being nice, but I think you have to, maybe that's not the right analogy, but it's sort of just being able to know when the right time to ask for the sale or even kind of starting that expectation around like, hey, this is something that you're going to want to reorder. You know, setting that expectation can also sort of like lead down when you do make that ask. It doesn't feel like it's just a totally out of the blue sort of ask. Um, and it's a big, it's a big opportunity for you if you've done everything right when that message lands it should be a message that doesn't feel unexpected or, you know, sort of like, why is this brand sending me this? Like, you know, I, I think if you do all those things right, you've earned the right to send that message. I don't think if you've done any of the, if you haven't done any of the prerequisites and then you send that, yeah, I, I think, you know, typically that's where we see the unsubscribes, the angry, why are you sending me this email, kind of CS tickets, all that stuff. Um, so I think what you said is really important to just think about. It's like you kind of earn that right through doing all those other things correct. 100%. It's only annoying if like that's all you do. Like uh, content marketers talk a lot about this, right? If 80% of my content is helpful and valuable, 20% of the time I can actually be like talking about my product and trying to sell something. And sure. it's that blend. Like if you do this right, it doesn't feel like you're going like come buy this thing like out of the blue, especially if you're timing it right. Like when we talked about campaign-based retention versus automations is in campaign-based retention, you're usually waiting for an event. Black Friday, Cyber Monday is coming up or I have a new product drop. Okay, let me go activate my existing customer base. Why do those work? It's because you have a value add reason to be talking to those customers. That's why it works. Not because like everyone is just waiting for a new product drop. Black Friday, maybe everyone's waiting for that, but th that's another thing. But like, if you think about the automation side of this and asking at the right time, when someone most likely going to want to buy again, if it's a replenishable, it's when it's running out, right. they're going to want to reorder something, either that same product because they loved it, or they're running low on that and like, Hey, let me try a different flavor. Let me try a different scent. When you reach the timing of when you reach out allows you to make it a value add reason to be asking for that purchase rather than just like throwing it out there randomly. Totally. I think that's a great, great call out. And it also um, is really important. I think when you, you make that, you know, kind of initiation of contact to, Hey, you reorder this product, you know, if it's personalized, like, you know, the, the way that repeat does being able to give them the opportunity to repurchase what they already had in their cart. It's super simple. It's a seamless process too. You can make that experience really easy on top of getting it right in the timing kind of aspect. It really makes it a home run, in my opinion, of optimizing it for you know ease of use for the customer and optimizing it too for you know just conversion on the, the brand side too. And one thing I wanted to ask you, um, you know, we we can assume and live in a vacuum that everything's going to go right, that a customer is going to get that message, and it all is going to go well, and they're going to make that purchase. But you know, sometimes life happens. You know, sometimes I'm not ready to reorder. Maybe I'm busy, and I'm going to look at the email later, and I don't. So if you reach out and someone doesn't reorder. I think a lot of times folks, you know, hair on fire, you know, I don't really know what to do with this customer. Now let's send them a bunch of campaigns. That might not be the right approach. Honestly, what do you recommend if someone doesn't actually reorder when it's time to reorder? Yeah. So at repeat, we kind of bake that in to a lot of the flows that we end up setting up. So like, Hey, we think you're going to be due to reorder this product in this window. 
okay, let's reach out at that point. If that doesn't happen, we usually set like just a static time-based delay, call it like seven days, 14 days. It really depends what the average reorder intervals are for that brand Mm -hmm. to try to get that person to come back. Hey, that timing wasn't right the first time. Let's try again. But this is where like, I wouldn't just go and like, okay, let's hit them every seven days after that to like go find them. There's two things that I would do here. One we already talked about is that education-based post-purchase flow is like, I would take someone from first purchase to make like to past what you think the a, like a typical reorder interval would be. When you use repeat, we actually take a look at reorder v- intervals and show you like the 25th percentile, the 50th percentile, the 75th percentile. It's like you probably want to run those education flows to like the 50th percentile. Like let's make sure like the average person is like going all the way to this point. We can mm-hmm. ask for a reorder, but like take them a bit further than that with education. You can also start to build something of a win back campaign, right? It's like, hey, I've just been trying to naturally get this person to come back and reorder. Hey, if they've gone past the 75th percentile or the 80th percentile or 90th percentile, let's just assume they're not coming back at all. That's when you can actually trigger something to go out where it's a little bit more of an aggressive sell. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, we don't think this person's coming back at all. Let's give them 25% off. Let's give them like the bundle for like a reduced price or something to try to encourage them to come back. Because like a lot of times, especially like your Huron example, it's not that we stopped using shampoo. It's that we stopped using shampoo from that brand. So like keeping consistent touch points makes you more likely to come back and grab that same brand. And if you make the offer at the right time, makes you likely to come back and get that brand. What probably happened if they've gone that long is they've switched brands. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like we're humans. We love to like try different things. Discovery is a big part of like what we do. So like that win back campaign could potentially be like, oh yeah, like let's come back and give that another try, even though I went to a different brand for my last purchase. I love that. I think that that's a really great way to think about it too, is that looking at those percentiles can be a really great way to understand like where that customer is sort of at in that sort of process. And um, I think also something that I've seen too, a lot of, I'm curious to get your, your take on this is I've seen a lot of brands. If someone's like, they've almost written off the customer customer, you know, it's everything seemed to be going great. Maybe they made a few purchases and then they just stopped purchasing. And, and you mentioned, obviously it could be trying a new brand. Maybe they just stopped using it in general. Like there's so many reasons why someone stops buying. I've seen a lot of merchants who will now send out text-based emails or like type forms. And they're like, Hey, like what happened? Like we would just love to get some feedback and understand kind of like why you, you know, to stop buying from us. Um, you know, I mean, I don't really know what the conversion rate is like on these, if they're not, you know, opening these emails already, but I think it's a, it's an interesting play to just get some qualitative feedback. Nonetheless. Um, what, what are your thoughts on something like that? If someone doesn't kind of, you know, make any more purchases, is it, is it even worth engaging with a customer at that point? This is one of those places where I think it really helps for us to like take our brand or merchant hats off and put our customer hats on. Like a lot, like as, like we just talked about before, a lot of times we assume if someone hasn't come back to make a purchase, like they must hate us. We did something wrong. It's probably not the case. Like if I go and buy my shampoo from somewhere else, it's not because I hated the experience with that brand. Like it might have been I ran out of shampoo. You didn't actually ask me to come back and get it. I ran out. I don't want to wait five days for you to ship this to me. I'm going to run to CVS and grab it. Sure. So like I I think like we as like when we have our merchant or brand hat on, like we over we assume that the customer cares a lot more about that experience 
then they probably do. Now, I know a lot of brands that do this. They get some fantastic feedback from it. Me personally, I've never filled out a, hey, where have you been? Can you tell us like what's going wrong? I feel like you will like you will get some great feedback from that because you'll probably collect the like 2%, 3% that like you actually wronged and they hate you and they're not coming back and they want to tell you they hate you. Like you will get some of that, but I don't think like you're just going to get all this feedback from kind of like your average customer that way. Yeah, that's a really important thing to think about as well as like um, putting your customer hat on is something that I, I remember I often overlooked as an email marketer, you know, you've got these aggressive, you know, sales targets, you know, retention targets, all these different things. And it can be really difficult um, to always have that hat on and they, like, these flows, even I think in the best intention, sometimes like you're not going to really get the feedback that's actually going to address the fundamental problems. And um, something that I know is sort of like, I think an elephant in the room of, of D2C for a lot of consumers is shipping honestly and how long it takes to get products and i think this also bakes into replenishable cpg is like the time to actually get that product can be you know a really just like hey i'd rather go to cvs like you mentioned and buy this rather than wait five to seven days if there's delays even more um i know this is a problem that a lot of merchants really are trying to solve for but you know logistics can also be its own animal um do you have any thoughts around just like how to best overcome even things like that is that something that like you just can't really fight and you have to kind of control what you can um i'm just curious like what your thoughts are around kind of a, a pain point like that uh the the way too simple answer be omnichannel like be in cvs like obviously that's easier said than done but like if you have retail availability and you have your d2c channel like you you are removing that pain point for yourself now there's going to be people listening to this that are going to say like alex yeah simply get into cbs simply <laughs> get into kroger like okay i obviously Small know that's, yeah exactly so like how do you i think it really like I, I hate to be a broken record here but it really comes back to like what we were talking about from the beginning like these post-purchase flows are really important like when you're top of mind you have that like that space in someone's mind to say like, oh, like if I'm constantly being engaging with this brand in a value add way, not just annoying me with like constant emails and constant offers. It's like that blue man or like Hans de Fuco example is like they're giving me value. Like I open every one of their emails because like I want to see what the latest hairstyle is. I want to see what like other people are doing. Like what am I missing? They have like I have a lot of mental availability for those brands, and I'm more likely to go reorder them. Like even though they those brands aren't necessarily asking me like in a repeat way to say like Hey, come buy this," I'm less likely to let it run out because I care a lot about that. And I know that this is another one of those Alex like simply get someone to care, like simply build a killer brand. I think it's like an unstated thing of retention, right? Is like your brand that you're building is a big piece of your retention as well as like the product you actually offer. If you're selling something that runs out in two days, you're going to have a really hard time selling those one at a time <laughs> to anyone <laughs> and like have them actually pick that up at the, at the rate that they need it. That um, I think some themes I've kind of pulled from this, you know, whole kind of conversation. It's obviously, you know, reordering and retention is something that everyone is thinking about, but it's sort of like cart before the horse. You can't really do that unless you have sort of this whole emphasis around your brand, the education, the expectations that you're framing really from the minute they click that buy button, even before they click the buy button, there are things that you can be doing on the site, educating your customers around a lot of these things that, you know, a lot of 
I think a lot of this is where DTC is really headed is a lot of, I think, just education and, and really building uh, just more connectivity to the brand through a lot of this content that we're seeing. But I, I think it's like you get those fundamentals right. You know your post-purchase communication, you know, with starting with the transactional, getting into some of those kind of educational flows. And then like when that time comes to reorder, it's a much, much simpler process. And I know like we're distilling this down. I know we're kind of putting this in a vacuum right now, but I, I just think like um, this to me is the fundamental approach to D2C is just get the education right, get that customer really embedded in like feeling good about their purchase and making sure that they're having a great experience. Um, these are the things that I feel like the best brands are doing right now. They're doing it really well. Yeah, I think like what we said at the beginnings, right? Like, hey, you can't automate everything about retention. So like, hey, yes, you need to put an emphasis on these things. But like as a retention marketer, as someone with limited time and limited resources is like look and try to find the things that you can automate. Replenish flows is something that you can automate. Educational flows is something that you can automate. Like put yourself in a position where those are on autopilot and you can kind of like assess and be watching them rather than building them out so that you have the time to invest in these other areas to build that holistic approach. So like my biggest piece of advice to anyone who's like, oh, how do I get started in the retention game is like there's so much you can learn, but like start with the lowest hanging fruit and that is in your post-purchase communication. Automate, automate what is easy to automate. Like, like yeah. shameless plug here, like use repeat <laughs> to automate your replenishment flows. Like don't spend your time building those, maintaining those so that you can go and build that killer content so that you can go and build that killer brand experience. Like, yes, you need all of this, but like find those pockets, find those places where like you don't need to put all of your time and effort into because they can be automated. Yeah, that's a great, a great way. I think to kind of think about that, automate what you can. And then there are definitely things that you can't automate, but like, being able to set some of your your focus away from that, you get that set up. It kind of obviously don't just set it and forget it, but like you really can then focus on a lot of the more important things. I think that great great parallel to this is like I was talking to Jester Beyond from Feastables the other week, and like we were talking about CX and like how a solution like Wonderman has helped her to actually get rid of a lot of like the basic kind of fundamental automated kind of tickets that come through. And now her team's really having great customer conversations, you know, focusing more on that, reducing first response time, all these things. But like it's allowed her to actually pull it a step further. And I think like that also goes a long way in just to kind of like that whole D2C experience. Like you automate what you can and then you really focus your effort on like where you need those human touch points. Times are most time is our most valuable resource for everyone. And like we said with the headwinds that are coming in, like I don't think D2C teams are growing over the next, let's call it six months to a year. So like you need to be even more efficient. Your time's even more valuable. Find those places where you can get out of like the day to day and put yourself into those strategic thinking moments. Automate what you can, like put your brain power to the next big thing, not the day to day. hundred percent. We've talked a lot about flows and I think the email and kind of SMS communications. But one thing I wanted to ask you I mean, folks listening to kind of think about where else they might be able to kind of get a little bit more juice out of kind of this automated reordering process. Are there any other ways that we can do this? I know, like, for example, like the order tracking page, like I've seen some cool stuff that Ouroboros is doing there, like click to reorder on that. Any anything you kind of talk to around there that's not just email and SMS based? So some people are doing I I'll see if I can get you the link to the post I did about this, but uh, soft services had some really cool direct mail for reordering. They basically sent out a mailer that had a little like red tool in it and the copy, like I'm going to paraphrase it, but was essentially like 
my guess is your bottle of X is running low. This will help you get that last little bit out of it. Again, value add reason to be reaching out and a killer reminder that you're probably running low on something. So yeah, direct mail, you mentioned it. Like we call them reorder banners, like not just having those flows set up, but reorder banners inside of like campaigns that are dynamically shown only to people who have a previous purchase. So, hey, we know this person's previous purchase history. Let's send them to their dedicated cart with those loaded into it through all campaigns. It allows you to turn that like day-to-day one-off effort into a little bit more of an automated process for those returning customers. That's awesome. I love that soft service example. That is that is so cool. I think direct mail um, is definitely, and we, we've seen it kind of coming back. I think like even I remember um, kind of testing out some of those tools a few years back when I was in the brand side. And like, I've always been really bullish on the opportunity with direct mail. Uh, but I think like seeing creative use cases like that, actually taking it just a step further, it's not just a postcard that says, hey, buy our shit. But like, here's like something that you can actually do to to get that last bit out of the product. That's really cool. Um, Alex, this has been awesome. And I, I really appreciate you dropping a lot of insights. And as we kind of wrap up, I think this discussion, um, I'd love to just understand maybe your thoughts around this. I, I've been asking everybody this lately. and It's been, do you think that customer retention is harder or easier than it's, say, 10 years ago to now? Has it gotten simpler or more difficult in the, in the current economic kind of state of where e-commerce is at? So I like retention, I'm such a retention nerd. So like I've been like following it pretty closely for let's call it the last eight years. I don't know if it's actually any easier or any harder than it was eight years ago. I think like you're fighting, like I think coming up with something creative like that soft soft services example is harder now because more people are paying attention to retention than they were in the past. So like creativity is probably at a premium right now, but the amount of tools that are at your disposal to help you with this is insane today, even compared to eight years ago. So like if you were to say like, Alex, you can't sit on the fence here, you need to pick one. I would say retention is probably easier than it was eight years ago because of all the tools and like people are starting to publish a lot more content on this. It's easier to figure out what to do than ever. I think that's a really great take on it. I I totally, I sit in the camp with you as well on that. I think things have gotten, yes, there's a lot more to focus on. Um, There's a lot of shiny object syndrome with, you know, different things going, going around right now and the promises that are being made from, you know, certain tech and things like that or just strategies. But I think also it's like, there's a lot of great things at your disposal. If you really stay focused, you focus a lot on the things that we even talked about here and a lot of like the, you know, best practices I think are, um, slowly becoming a little bit more dated. And I actually think it's more now around kind of focusing on just what's fundamental to your brand. And and that can really unlock a lot of, um, I, I think like in a lot of ways, like retention has sort of become like this big, like grandiose kind of like idea. It's almost like this unobtainable thing for a lot of people. It's like, oh, like we'll, we'll unlock retention someday. But I think at its fundamental core, like there are a lot of simple things that we just tend to overcomplicate as marketers. Yeah, pick, pick something and focus on it, right? Like the thing I like to say to a lot of people I end up talking to is like, imagine if three years ago you were like, what's your focus this year? It's acquisition. Okay, well, well like what about it? No, I, like acquisition. <laughs> like no one would say that, right? It'd be like, oh, I'm going to like TikTok. I'm going to Facebook. Hey, I'm going to start a referral program. Like you get more granular. It's like, sure. think about that on the retention side too. Like what tool, what tactic, like pick something, focus there and like go all in on that because like, 
saying you're focusing on retention, like when we frame it a different way, is like saying you're focused on acquisition. It's just way too broad to really do anything with. Like scope it, be a little bit more narrow with how you're approaching it and you'll see better results. Focus, 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 100%. Yeah, that is that is a great way to think about it. And really, I think staying focused, it allows you to just dig a little bit deeper, I think, than, than you would if you just yeah said, hey, we're going to focus on retention this year. And, you know, 12 months later, you really didn't know like kind of what you were shooting towards. I think it this gives you a much better lens to think about it. Um, but before I let you go, Alex, where can uh, listeners go to get in touch with you? Yeah, if you want to automate your reordering, um, hit us up at getrepeat.io. Um, if you're a CPG brand and you want more retention tips, tactics, advice, um, you can join us in our Slack community, CPG House. Uh, you can get there at cpghouse.com. We also have a blog and a podcast that I think you mentioned at the beginning, The Shelf Life, where we're talking, we're very specific on CPG here at Repeat. So if you sell a replenishable, we got the content for you. Love it. I'll link out to all that in the show notes. As always, um, Alex, super appreciate the time, my friend. Have to have you on the uh, show again really soon. Talk more about retention. I know there's a lot more we didn't talk about today that I'm sure we could riff on for quite some time. Anytime, man. Happy to come back.